Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Hey, what are you betting on this week? What are you throwing your money on now that the Kentucky Derby's over? And Midnight Bourbon, my pick, lost by a lot. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Once again this week, we're talking high school hoops. Also, once again, we're headed down to the Trinity League as we're talking with Matt Dunn, head coach at St. John Bosco High School. After spending 12 years at Damien High School, winning a CIF Division III championship, a Southern Section 3AA championship in 2013, as well as being named the San Gabriel Valley Tribune and Inland Valley Daily Bulletin Coach of the Year. He was also named the Cal High Sports Division Three State Coach of the Year. Matt decided to head down to Bellflower to take over the program with the Braves. With close to 400 wins under his belt, he has found success once again in the always tough Trinity League. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join me here. Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you very much. And Love, love talking, talking high school hoops. So this should be fun. A pretty impressive resume you got there. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I've been fortunate to work at some really good places that support their coaches and that's not something I take for granted. I think, uh, there's a lot of people that would love to be able to say that. And then obviously you got to coach, you got to be fortunate to coach some good players. So, um, it's been fun and, and, uh, I, I love what I do. And, and I think that's the most important thing. Well, your administrator, your principal at Damien, was your principal at Bosco when you first started. So how much easier does that make it for you going into a new spot, knowing that you have some familiarity? Well, yeah. The, so the irony is uh, Casey Yazel was the principal who hired me at Bosco, and he was actually the basketball coach that I replaced at Damien. Uh, so so our, our paths crossed in, in both ways, and um, that was certainly a part uh, of coming here. There was a lot of reasons that uh, I felt like it was the right time to to make a change, but to have an administrator that you trust uh, is certainly a huge part of that for sure. How'd you get started in coaching? You've been in it for a while. You're young. You don't have any gray hairs yet, but <laughs> you know, you've a lot of guys get into it young. What got you started? Yeah. So I, uh, I went to college at the university of San Diego. Uh, I, I went to Jesuit high school in Sacramento and, and got to play with some incredible teams. We actually, so we lost in the state finals to Crenshaw. Uh, both in 1993 and 1994. And so kind of high school basketball was something that uh, and high level high school basketball was something that I was lucky to be a part of as a player. Not that I was a main player on those teams, but uh, just, you know, kind of getting to see that experience, that level of basketball. And then when I got to San, uh, to University of San Diego, I met Mike Hopped, who was the head coach at St. Augustine. Uh, also, he was a USD grad. So that was kind of our connection. And I started coaching my sophomore year of college. So um, you know, that was a, that was a great place to start. He's still a great friend of mine and a mentor. And, uh, that was how I started. The blue dome, one of my favorite campuses to go to. What a beautiful place. How did you like go to school every day and not, not find your way going down to mission Bay? Yeah, you will. Especially as you get older, you live at mission Bay. So then you got to leave mission Bay to go to class. But, um, you know, I, I think my parents probably reminded me of, 
uh, of how much money we were spending to go there <laughs> for an education. And now being a dad who uh, has a senior daughter in high school and she's going to go to TCU next year. So I'm on the other side of the payment plan and, and she better go to class also for sure. Yeah, isn't that ironic where we look back and think, wow, my kids better not do what I did. You're going to school to get an education. For sure. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously college is such an amazing experience in, in all different ways and, and hopefully we all grow. And, and, and I know I did and, and not as only as a coach, but as a person. And uh, I want that experience for my kids as well. But yeah, it's not nearly as fun when you're the one paying for it. Not a no, it certainly <laughs> isn't. Cause you're looking at that checkbook going, really? I got to pay that. I yeah, got to pay this. It's something. It's pretty amazing. It's a, that's a, that's another, another podcast probably. <laughs> hey, who's got the bigger office? You or Jason Negro? Uh, his is definitely nicer. His his personality, he's funny. He's a very, very clean guy, and uh, they're, they're, the football office is immaculate. I don't know which one's bigger, but he definitely wins the, the decoration prize for sure. <laughs> well, I was up there after their Jay Sarah game. He's got a whole lot of stuff hanging on those walls, man. He does, yeah. Obviously, they, they have an incredible program, and he does a great job celebrating their players, and, uh, and his office is it's a shrine. It's a, it's a, I like going in there and sticking my head in there. And anytime I bring, you know, we have guests on campus, I make sure I show off his office more than mine. <laughs> but then again, the whole, the whole school, the athletic program at the school, no matter what sport it is, everybody takes so much pride in, in celebrating the successes of all of the other programs, no matter what they are. Yeah, no question. You know, and I, we were kind of going back to me wanting to come here. One of the biggest reasons I wanted to is I wanted to be surrounded by a a group of people that were all trying to be great. Uh, and I think as a, as a coaching staff, in terms of our whole co coaching community here, uh, led by our athletic director, Monty McDermott, uh, we are striving to be great. And, you know, we don't apologize for that. And I think there's a lot that goes into that. And so to be surrounded by all coaches who are trying to do that and teachers who are trying to do that in the classroom and administrators, uh, you know, I think that I, I say it all the time. I believe I have the best basketball job in high school basketball in Southern California. And, um, you know, all those are huge factors as part of that for sure. And I think, and I've talked to Jason about this several times, along with a lot of other guys, that the private schools, you, 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 everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to do this. And when you win, kids see that. When you put a successful program out there, no matter what it is, kids see that. They want to gravitate towards that. And you guys take a lot of heat. You're out recruiting. You're doing this. You're doing this. But when you put a good program together, kids see that. Like, I just want to go and I want to be a part of that. And I'm sure you find that to be, this, be correct. Yeah, there's no question. You know, I mean, I think success is shown in a lot of different ways. And, and when you are successful, um, you know, I think that there are people who are attracted to your program. And, um, you know, I, I define success in, in, in different ways. It's not just winning and losing. I think really I always say I'll, I'll decide if I had a successful season when each of our seniors is 22 years old. And if they're on a path to, you know, whether it be a family or a college education or sports career, uh, if they're on a path of, of success, then then we're going to consider that group a success. And, um, you know, so I, I keep in touch with so many of my former players from from different schools. And uh, that's something I take a lot of pride in. And, you know, so winning is obviously a, a part of that. But I think people really appreciate the type of young men that are leaving our program and their and their successes as they leave here. And I had my first NBA player, Malik Fitz, played for me at Damien and just got had a 10 day contract with the Clippers last week. So that was an incredible moment for me and his family, obviously. And um, you know, but we have dentists and doctors and lawyers and, and we celebrate all of those successes for sure. And I think that we in high school, we put too much stock into, oh, our graduation rate was this as opposed to what are the young people that we've had in our classrooms doing 
five years, eight years out from high school and, and being doctors and lawyers and teachers and successful business people, I think that's the ultimate measure. I agree with you. You know, one of the things we talk about is when our students are walking down the aisle for graduation, we don't want them just to be eligible to go to college. We want them ready to succeed when they get there. Uh, and that's obviously in the classroom and on the court or the field or, or whatever that, that there's, you know, and, and so that's something that we pride ourselves on every day here on campus is, is helping the young men grow. And when they leave here, they're ready to succeed. When you were a Damien, you achieved a, a lot of success. What did you do to build that culture? How did you build that program into a winner? You know, so obviously I was young. I, I think I was 25 years old when I, when I got that job. And, um, and to be honest with you, so much of it was just hard work. Uh, I was going to all three levels of practice every day. Uh, I was able to kind of start to piece together a staff. And as my time there went on, my staff became better and better. Because uh, ultimately, you just can't do this by yourself. Um, you know, and then it, it was funny, kind of a, a little bit of success led to a young man by the name of Chris Adams, who was our first Division One player there, who uh, went on to play at the University of San Francisco. And Chris Adams led to Chris Reyes, who ended up being a really special player at the time. And then ultimately, you know, that became kind of the, the major group that won the state title and with Jeremy Hemsley and Malik Fitz and those guys. So uh, it took a long time and a lot of hard work, but I'm incredibly proud of, of, of what we did there for sure. What goes into building a culture? I've talked to football coaches, baseball coaches, basketball, track. For you, what, what goes into building a successful culture? Not only winning games, but as far as creating good people and, and, and respectable people that move on to do good things. Yeah, I mean, obviously culture is such a code word in, in sports and our society. And, and one of the things I believe is I think you have to do it to your own personality. I, I, I can't build a culture like Jason Negro builds a culture, but that, but we can both build great cultures. And, um, you know, for me, culture is about relationships. Uh, and I want our, our players to know that I care about them outside of, uh, of the court. You know, I, I try really hard to communicate with our guys every single week off of the court, not just on the court and in some aspect of life. And I think ultimately when they know you care about them, uh, they're willing to do more for you. And, and so, you know, I, I think as a staff and that we are trying so hard to make sure these guys know we care about so much more than just who they are as basketball players. Um, and that's that's how we do it. I, I don't think that's how everybody does it, but that's that's our that's been kind of what's able to, to lead to our success, I think. And I think that's kind of one of the things that everybody says is building those relationships with kids, because you're going to see them grow through your program from freshmen to seniors. And then if you do a good job, they're going to they're going to reach back out to you in five years and go, hey, coach, I'm doing this or, you know, hey, coach, I'm doing this. And then you kind of keep that going. And then when they come back and, you know, just as alumni to watch a game and then you introduce them to the present team, it, it kind of it, it, it's such a positive thing for everybody. That, that's the greatest thing we have going for us is when the guys come back, you know, the older guys teach the younger guys. I It was funny. I had a, one of our senior moms was. She was being really nice the other day and, you know, saying, kind of saying, hey, I want to do something to to help you and to say thank you for all your time you've spent. And, and I said, if you could just pass on your story to the next family, that that's the ultimate thing you could do is, you know, I think those shared experiences of the, of the older guys coming back. And, um, you know, I, I, I bring my Damien players back to, to here and just any time I can have former players talk to our guys and and say, hey, you know, some not every day smooth and it's not easy, but ultimately there's a great reward at the end if you if you listen and work really hard and. Uh, that's, you know, that's the, the players can certainly sell that story so much better than we can. Yeah. And, and it's, it's such a great thing to, to get back in touch with kids and see the things that they're doing. Let's go back to the baseline league. When you were at Damien, a, a very, very tough league at Wanda, 
always a good team. Chino Hills had that run. What was it like coaching in that league at that time versus, you know, a Dave Kleckner coach team and, and Chino? How difficult was it for you guys? Well, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. You know, you can't get a whole lot more contrasting styles than the way those two teams played. Uh, yeah. <laughs> coach Kleckner, in my mind, is, is the best high school coach in Southern California. I just think he does an incredible job. It is just amazing to me that everyone knows what they're going to do. And you still can't beat them. You know, they sometimes you feel like, ah, oh, this coach is going to try and trick me. He's, he doesn't ever try and trick you. He's, he'll give you, he'll tell you exactly what he's going to do and you still can't beat them. So um, their teams are just so hard to play. They're incredibly disciplined. Um, I, I just, I've always admired kind of how their players handle themselves. You know, they just have such a calmness about them as they play, yet they're playing so incredibly hard. And um, so that you have that one extreme of, of the way they play. And then you have the whole opposite extreme of, of the way Chino Hills was playing at the time. And, um, you know, I, I think that was a great challenge. And I actually thought, to be honest, it was a little bit easier that they were both in our league. So we knew we were going to play them. Uh, so we could start preparing for that kind of in the, in the fall. Whereas if, we, if you had to play Chino Hills like in the playoffs when you didn't know you were going to play them back then, it was just it, – uh, it's really hard to describe how different they were than anything I've ever seen before or after. It, 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 was, it was a whole different animal for sure. Kind of like those Loyola teams back in the 90s just – just get it up court and go, and we'll give you a two, but we're going to take a three. Yeah, and they just, you know, I think the the way they threw the baseball pass was just amazing. You know, Alonzo was so gifted at throwing it, and and Jello was so gifted at catching it. I've always thought that Jello was an NFL tight end. Um, you know, I just it was just amazing the way he could read a ball in the air. And I obviously I had some great athletes, and you would laugh at, at watching us practice that. You know, trying to be kind of do defensive back drills. <laughs> so uncoordinated when we first started doing it and but we did you know we were able to do it enough uh that we actually beat them both times that my last year at Damien and uh, I think it was Lonzo's junior year so but it we it took a lot of practice to get used to that for sure how much of a circus was it with LeVar being around and you know him doing his thing and and I I don't know maybe just trying to be in the spotlight all the time how did you keep your kids grounded and focused on just the game instead of the whole circus of everything that was going on? Yeah, you know, to be honest, I think it probably got much worse the year after I left when uh, when the youngest ball got there. You know, I think that was when it really got crazy. Um, but I mean, you know, like Lavar definitely sat at midcourt on uh, you know on on the bottom bleacher and he affected the game for sure. And um, you know, but I I was fortunate. I had a really mature group of older guys and. Um, but, you know, I mean, I had heard about the, these, these young boys coming up when they were, I think, in sixth and fourth grade or something. You know, there's people were talking about them playing in, built, uh, you know, in high school leagues back then and how good they were. And uh, uh, for me, Lonzo was pretty – obviously, he was an incredible player. I, I say it all the time. For As a player, I thought Jason Kidd was the best high school player I ever saw. Uh, and as a coach, the best player we've ever dealt with is Lonzo Ball. And to be honest, Big O might be a close second. So that, to put those guys on the same team is a – is a, is a problem, but Lonzo was pretty calm, you know, like there wasn't a whole lot of flair necessarily to, to the way he played. I thought as the time wore on and, and uh, then, then the flair became much more, but um, he just, he just played. He was, he was really good. Did you ever catch yourself like just watching them play and kind of getting away from what you were trying to do and just kind of catch the awe factor of how good they were? Well, so again, I think the year after I left, Damien was probably the year that that was really the case when when Big O and and uh, and Mello got there. Um, but it just you you do find yourself in awe 
of just what they're doing. It's just, it's so different. And uh, for me, it was pretty funny. I actually, I was, I was helping a family friend coach a seventh and eighth grade team. Uh, and I actually played against LeVar, uh, his seventh and eighth grade team. And that was the most, the biggest benefit to me was I, I actually, I saw what they were trying to do at a younger age. They were all trying to do the same thing. And it, that was actually what helped me understand kind of what they were trying to do. Um, and then, but ultimately it was just, it was really different than anything you, you know, and you have to, you had to, to kind of decide how you were going to choose to attack them. And, um, you know, that year at work, the year before certainly didn't for us. The both leagues are so tough. The Trinity league is very tough. Obviously the baseline league, what's the grind like for your kids to get through the league, whether it was at Damien or whether it's now at St. John Bosco and, and how do you handle the, both the physical and the mental part of that? Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing is, you know, when you play in a league that everyone is good, um, you know, deciding what you do with practice time, um, you know, so we'll play Jay Sarah tonight and then we'll have tomorrow to practice and we'll play Orange Lutheran on Friday. And, you know, like, what do you do with that Thursday practice after you're completely worn down from a, a battle on Wednesday night? You know, I think those are the biggest decisions that are that you have to make. How do you keep getting better um, without just totally wearing your guys down? And then, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously this year, with the pandemic and trying to get extra games in. And I usually never want to play games on Saturdays in league, but we're doing that this year. And so um, just the, the discipline it takes to, to not over-practice the guys and but making sure you're prepared at the same time, it's, it's quite a challenge for sure. And I'm sure the injury factor comes in too, because you don't want to, you don't want to do too much because you don't want to, you know, get those soft tissue injuries or, or anything like that, or have kids that are tired, you know, maybe turn an ankle because they're tired or, you know, getting a little bit lazy or something. How has that been for you guys in, in the pandemic? Yeah. So, you know, my, I guess my theory on that is we still go really hard. We just go for less time. Okay. You know, and so one of the things I say to our guys all the time is I'm not going to ever waste your time. Um, you know, it's so like this, 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 this morning we practiced for 45 minutes. We got done what we needed to get done to be ready for tonight. And, and I told them to get out of the gym. So, um, you know, I, I think that's obviously uh, the, the kind of the give and take is you can go still longer for me and maybe not as hard, or you can go really hard for a shorter amount of time. And um, that's, that's, that's how we choose to do it. We, we still compete even on game days at a really high level. We just don't do it for as long. Yeah. The quality versus the quantity type thing. For sure. Yeah. And I think different times of year, you know, at the beginning of a season, usually we'll practice much longer because uh, there's so much more to get through. But right now, we, you know, in theory, we should have a pretty good idea of who we are. Um, and so just spend a little bit of time about the uniqueness of, the, of who we're going to play. And then and hopefully we do what we do better than they do what they do. We're going to take a quick break here while we pay some of the bills. Are you a sunglasses person? Well, if you are, it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. These sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15. Canon, clearly better. Hey, have you heard about all this new CBD stuff? Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan, low in sugar, founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, 
Travis Pastrana, Paul Rodriguez, because they wanted to create a product they could trust and could stand behind. If you need help with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I recommend you give these a try. Buy one, get one free of the new gummies with the code SUPPORT at JustLive.com. That's buy one, get one free at JustLive.com. Use the code SUPPORT. Back here with Matt Dunn, head basketball coach, St. John Bosco High School. You take over a program that had success, division champs in 13, state champ in 14. What did you need to do to keep the program going in that direction? And did you change anything? And how long did it take you to kind of put your stamp on the Braves program? Yeah, well, I guess that's a funny question. So when I took the job, there were 12 returners on the roster. Uh, and by the time I got to campus, there was only one that was still here. Uh, as you can imagine, it was it was quite a, sh- a shock what I thought I was walking into the first day of practice. And then what I walked into were two very, very different things. So, um, you know, obviously, the I guess the good part of that was, though, we got to put our stamp on the program from the very beginning, you know, because it was all new players. Um, and so but I, I, both at Damien and at Bosco, I felt like the first two years were pretty difficult. Uh, and then the third year was, you know, in both cases was the year I felt like, okay, we kind of, you know, we, we, we have this thing where we want it. And now we can really start trying to, to perfect what we're trying to do. What makes the league so tough, the Trinity League? Because it's all faith-based schools. It's all, you know, you've got some all-boys schools in there. But what makes it so tough? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, I mean, I think the Trinity League does an, uh, a tremendous job in every aspect of athletics of using athletics to bolster the the reputation of their schools uh you know and, and obviously they're all schools that are known kind of different schools are known for different sports and basketball um for us you know so we're obviously a little bit different it's the five orange county schools and so the travel is part of it which makes it challenging for us to be honest we you know we when we go to jay sarah and we go to santa margarita it's a long bus ride um especially on a friday night and and then obviously you know all, all five teams play differently but they play with such discipline um and you know i think there's an element of of just the way the schools are run. And then obviously that's some really, really good coaches. And, um, you know, so to try and deal with really disciplined programs that play very differently, uh, you know, each team is, is different. And, and so I think that's a, an incredible challenge when they, when they do different things really well and they're, and they have good players at the same time, that makes it really hard. I spoke with John Morris last week and, and what a fantastic person. He tells me he that really there's is. just a ton of respect that you guys have for each other. With Gary obviously being the elder statesman of the group, <laughs> what was it like, you know, for you guys, you younger guys coming into this league, trying to to make your mark as, as the new people running programs? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, Coach Morris is a good friend of mine, and and uh, he yeah he does just a tremendous job at, at, at their school. Poor guy, we played him last week, and their best player got sick the day before we got here, <laughs> or before you know the day of that they got here. So that was that was a, a crazy one, but. Um, you know, obviously, Coach McKnight's a legend and, and has had so much success. I mean, I remember when we played when I was in high school, uh, you know, and just I, I guess ultimately I would answer your question that I don't spend a ton of time worrying about what everybody else is doing. I really don't. Uh, I mean, before we play them, I want to know what they do. But as far as, you know, who's coming to their school and, and the new players, no, I, I really don't spend a whole lot of time with that. I just I want to be as good as we can be. Uh, with our group that we have and 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 we that's kind of what we set out to do and then uh, you know there's going to be some years that that's good enough to to have a chance to win all your league games and there's gonna be other years you're just you can't win a, a couple of those probably but um, I I think it'd be exhausting to 
trying, you know, I mean, I remember it was three or four years ago when, when bull bull showed up at modern day in January, you know, <laughs> so we, we kind of had prepared for what we thought it was going to be. And all of a sudden there's a seven foot five, you know, skilled small forward uh, that you're dealing with. And so I, I kind of made a decision at that point. I wasn't going to spend a whole lot of time worrying about anything other than the team we play that week. And, um, you know, so I, we play modern day next week. And honestly, I haven't even watched them play yet this year. Um, and, and so just, we're going to try and get as good as we can be. And then when it's time to play them, we'll, we'll prepare for that. Yeah, here we're, this is what we do and we're going to do it well. And like you said earlier, we hope what we do well is better that night than what you do well. Yeah. And, and, and obviously when I took the job, we had a, a plan in terms of how we wanted to play. Uh, and and I, I thought that we could be unique in our league in terms of how we want to play. And that's what we've tried to do. And, um, you know, so I, I think and most people would probably say we play a little differently than most of the rest of the league does. And and that's that's by that's on purpose. Um, you know, and I, I felt like that would give us the best chance to compete in this league. And especially the last few years, we've been able to do that. What is it that you do differently? Is it something different on offense or something on defense or style of play? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think uh, so. I try to give our guys a ton of freedom on offense. Um, you know, one of one of the funny things about this league is is the scouting is just incredible. Uh, you know, like I, I've heard funny stories of Coach McKnight handing a, a coach, you know, 20 game films of the, of the other coaches' games and, and, the <laughs> and stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I think I, I want us to be difficult to scout. And, you know, it's good and bad. I always tell people I'm not sure what we're going to look like on offense half the time either. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that gives our guys a great freedom to, to be really aggressive. Uh, and then we do have a, a pretty structured way we defend and, and keep that fairly similar each year. But, Offensively, we're trying to, to, to play with a great freedom and, and let our talented guys play, and, and, and that, that has worked for us for sure. You've had some, a lot of success at Bosco. What has been the key to that success? Is it, is it a, it's got to be a combination of how you're doing things and the players you've got. I agree, yeah. I mean, obviously, at any high level, you cannot win uh, without really good players. There's just, you know, I, I think a coach can make a little bit of a difference, but ultimately, like, you have to have really good players. and. You know, so I think locate, being located where we are is, is, a, is a great location to, you know, we have a, just so many talented athletes in surrounding areas that can get to our school fairly easily. Um, and so that helps. And then, you know, kind of, to be honest, I, I've learned a lot from Coach Negro in terms of how he runs his football program. And I've studied some of our other coaches here on campus that are equally as successful that probably, you know, people don't know as well. Uh, and, and I've really tried to pick their brains about what they've done to, to build their programs here, uh, you know, in terms of at a Salesian school uh, and our identity as a Salesian school is a huge part of who we are all the time. And, um, you know, and I wanted to build our program kind of in correspondence with how our schools run. And, and again, I've taken a lot from the other coaches here on campus and trying to do that. You're nine and one right now. You're, you're lost coming in overtime to Santa Margarita. What has gone well for you guys as a team so far? So we were, we're, we're pretty lucky. We've been together just about every day since June. Um, and, you know, and, and, and as I've, I've said this many times, I don't know that we got any basketball advantage because half the time what we were doing is just, to, to be honest, almost a waste of time basketball wise. But what I think it did was it just really allowed our guys in our community to be just so supportive of each other. Uh, and of any team I've coached over the years, this is as supportive of a team of each other's success as I've had. And I think just that extra time spent together where, to be honest, like sometimes we couldn't even really get better at basketball. And we were just left to enjoy each other's company. And I think with the pandemic, just having company to spend with, spend time with, you know, uh, we were all just thankful to be here and getting to spend some time together. And 
Um, so I, I feel like our community is just way ahead of, of you know, it's, it's, it's as good as I could hope it could be, um, you know, and, and hopefully we can, we can keep that going throughout the year here. Isn't that ironic that a pandemic is something that now brings kids closer together because you're focusing on other things other than just basketball and you're focusing on each other as, as people, as human beings, as teammates, as, as family members and, and, and worrying about that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, and I think so much of our everyday life outside of our home was taken away from us that we literally were just thankful for human interaction, you know, and so you just, you, I, I think you're so much more apt to find the good in, in people, you know, when you spend every day together, obviously it becomes pretty easy to find the negatives, but I it just, for, for this year, I thought it was so easy to find the positives and just spending time with each other. And, uh, and I think our players have been able to do the same thing, um, you know, and so, yeah, I guess there is an irony to it. And, um, you know, going through this as a parent and going through it as a coach has been just incredibly challenging. Um, but it does, it has really helped in just our, our, just our appreciation of spending time together is as crazy as that sounds. I think we're, we're just way beyond what we've ever been before in terms of that. And then when the kids finally get the okay to get back on the court, how much of an extra pep in their step and excitement did you see from them? Yeah. Even just getting, being allowed to get in the gym to practice, you know, like it was just, I'll never forget. I didn't even tell them gotten permission to get in there you know, when it finally came and so they all showed up and think thinking we were gonna be on the blacktop and, and you know so we just walked in and we had the balls out and they kind of looked like like really we get to be in here and <laughs> just, you know you complain about your whatever your facility or whatever all the time and just in, in general uh uh they were just so thankful to be in there and so was i and um you know it was uh it was a pretty cool moment just to get in there and get to practice i've never been so happy to get to practice and anything beats being on the blacktop with rims with no nets or the old the old chain nets that you had when you were a kid growing up. Yeah, we actually we put in some nice baskets, so that was fun. But I mean, our court the court's too small, and the basket's almost all the way out to the free throw line. <laughs> Just, but it, but again, even that you would be amazed at how excited our guys were to get to even do that together. Um, you know, because obviously the stages, you know, the first stage was everybody has their own ball, and you can't even pass the ball to each other. And that, that, but that was awesome for a couple of weeks. And then that got a little old and kind of, so each stage that we've, we've gradually gotten to, we've, uh, we've really been thankful for. And, um, you know, that it's funny to see some of the things the kids have appreciated this year, for sure. The, the little things you guys are on the open division watch list. Last I checked, you're, you're on that list. You're number five in division one. Do you like the way the playoffs are set up with that whole open division? And then, you know, then the, uh, the way the other divisions are set up. You know, so we've been in the open division the last three years, and I, that is one of our goals as a program, uh, all, you know, every every year. So that that I do love that aspect of it. Uh, I don't necessarily love the pool play. Um, you know, I think the, the problem, the hard part of the open division is it's just such a grind. Uh, and, you know, so the last couple of years, we've won a couple of games and lost a couple of games in it, and you're just so worn out by the time you get to the state tournament. Uh, that I, I have felt like that's been a disadvantage against those who didn't participate in the open division. Uh, I, I personally think the open division should be 16 teams. I thought when we had it at 16, that was what it, what it was. Uh, to me at eight, it's not, it's not getting all of the teams it's supposed to get um, in, into the open division. You know, so I, I would prefer we go back to 16, but ultimately to get to play in what some would say is the best tournament in you know, the United States is a pretty cool accomplishment for, for a program and something we want to do every, every year. I agree with you 100%. I saw Harvard Westlake last year and, you know, seeing some of those other teams that are in that division, it's 
it's insane how good the basketball is. And, and you've got to be proud of your guys that you get to that point. No question. Yeah. And I mean, knock on wood, we're, we're hoping to get there healthy this year. The last three years, we haven't had our best player any of the three years by the time we got there. So, um, you know, I, I sure would love to take a healthy team into that tournament and see what we can do, but uh, yeah, you're playing against the best of the best. And um, you know, it's from coaching coaches to players and it's, it's really fun. Uh, it's, it's exhausting. And, 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 you know, like I said, uh, coming out of the open division, I think the teams that didn't play in the open division going to the state tournament really do have an advantage uh, in terms of that, but just playing in it is, is, is pretty special. I've asked a few guys about the, the travel ball stuff and, and from, from a casual fan, when I look at fundamentals of the game and the way the game is played, it's, it's really changed a lot. Has travel ball kind of, I don't want to say, taken away the fundamentals for kids because it seems like a lot of times guys will just roll the ball out and, and rely on the athleticism of today's player. But what do you think about the whole thing? Because I know it's a very useful thing for high school basketball. Yeah, for sure. You know, to me, the biggest thing that's changed is every kid has three or four trainers now. <laughs> uh, you know, and so I used to be the ball handling coach and the passing coach and the shooting coach. And, you know, uh, so that has changed a lot. There are so many more opinions in their lives that that of people that care about them that are that are sharing with, with, you know that with them and then i think the other thing that's changed a lot is everybody plays travel ball now uh you know so not too long ago the only the elite guys were doing that um you know i mean i remember there's plenty of years of damien i'd lose one or two guys to travel ball and the rest of them would be with us all summer um you know but personally i think i think if a kid really wants to be good he needs to be able to do both uh, i think uh, i think the travel ball game because so the, the biggest difference in terms of structure, as you're referencing, is we practice every day uh, and travel ball teams don't practice every day. And so obviously it's good. There's going to be less structure. I've coached travel ball at times in the past, uh, you know, but I do think just in, in regards to playing with great players against great players and in, in high, you know, high level environment and and having to figure out how to kind of sink or swim on your own, you know, without as much structure. I think that's tremendously valuable for today's player. Uh, and then but I also think the really special ones are good in both contexts. You know, so they're able to play in maybe a little bit more structured environment in a high school game. And then they're able to go succeed without the structure. Uh, and, and I think it, I personally think it gets a little overblown, like the lack of structure in travel ball, the best travel ball programs are playing really good basketball also, um, you know, but it just, it's just less structured because they have less practice time. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's the big difference. How do you deal with a kid that may come to you and say, well, my ball handling coach says this and my shooting coach says this and my defensive technique coach says this, but you're trying to teach the St. John Bosco way. Yeah. So I think to be honest, you're going through this as a parent, um, you know, so my daughter's a dancer and, and uh, our, our two boys play multiple sports. And so I, I think that has really changed or I guess helped me grow in terms of just my appreciation for how much time and money parents are spending on, on their, their son uh, or daughter, you know, depending on the son in terms of my, my program. But, you know, so I, I have a great appreciation for that. And I have an understanding of with that comes very high expectations for parents. And I think that's okay. Um, you know, I, I mean, again, going through this, I, I look back when I was 25 years old and lecturing the parents of my players. And I, and I just laugh at myself now that I thought, you know, I really understood what was going on. It's like, I had no idea. Um, you know, so uh, I guess ultimately we choose, there are certain things that, that are, we're going to do it this way, no matter what. And then there are other things that I'm very open to if a kid's successful, you know, like, so footwork, for example, we used to teach that everyone in our program is going to do footwork this way. 
Uh, well, we did that because no one was working on footwork on their own. Uh, whereas now everyone's doing it on their own. And if a kid has already created a comfort zone in terms of how he likes to use his feet to shoot, as long as he has success, we're going we're gonna to support that. Um, if they don't have success, then we're going to change it. And, you know, so I think there's a lot of things that go in with that. And then, but so more team concept things are, are non-negotiable, um, you know, and, and I, the, I guess I would say that there's no trainers that are at practice every day. So they don't totally, they're not going to totally know the team concept, but as far as dribbling and shooting and footwork and all those things, if, if you're going to a person who's doing a great job with you, we, we love it. That's great. So now I can spend more time on system stuff instead of, okay, we're going to do this, but, but you still have to teach the fundamentals because sometimes I think kids, they get too ESPN-y where they think they're going to go off and do, you know, be Michael Jordan or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think sometimes kids look in the mirror and think they see the same thing LeBron does. Uh, <laughs> remind them that that's a little different, different guy. But so we, we, when we do individual work as a program, and that's something we pride ourselves on, we want our players to get better while they're here. You know, one of my favorite things about our team this year is every single one of our players was in our program last year. Um, you know, all but one played lower levels at our school. So we had one who played varsity as a freshman and every other kid on our team played lower levels here at St. John Bosco. Um, you know, and I, I think that so with that means we're able to develop our guys. And so we spend most of our time developing our system through individual work, knowing that the guys are working a lot on on their own individual stuff on their own. Um, so we're trying to, to take what they're learning on their own and, and perfecting, hopefully, and apply that to how they can use those skills within what we're trying to do. How much does that help you knowing that I've got these kids that they've been in the program for three years, for four years, that now they know the system and now we could just refine those things? Yeah, and especially in a year where practice is so different than it has ever been before in terms of how much time we had to prepare at the beginning and even just just now, uh, it's a huge thing. You know, we were playing the game, a game the other night and, um, you know, the other team was in a zone and we had a timeout and I just looked at our guys like, all right, we're going to run a play. And we haven't even talked about this play this whole year. Uh, you know, do you remember we did this last year and the guys like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember we, you know, brought up a board and, and they're great. So I think in terms of that, it's a huge advantage. And then again, back to the community thing, like they have spent a lot of time together and they trust each other and they support each other. And, um, you know, those are the things that are getting harder and harder with, with rosters changing all the time is just getting kids to, to everybody to support each other and be excited for each other's success. And, um, you know, I, I was telling the coach the other day in a year like this, when, when you have great success in terms of that as a coach, you feel like, man, I'm really good at this stuff. And there's other years that you just can't be, you, <laughs> you do is wrong. And you're like, I, I'm never going to get culture again, you know? So, so I try to appreciate when we have a group like we do right now, I, I try to really appreciate it and enjoy every day. Well, that's great. Well, Coach, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this with me. This has been an absolute blast. Last thing before I let you go, I just want to ask you five basketball-related off-the-wall questions. All right. I'll do the best I can. Favorite player growing up? Magic Johnson. All right. Player you wished you got to see play? Wow, that's a, that's a good one. Um... I don't know. I, I guess what I would say, I'll answer that in a unique way. I wish I could see Duke play in person at, 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 their, at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I was always a huge Duke fan growing up, and uh, I've been to Duke and been to practice, but I've never been to a game there. So I, I want to see Bobby Hurley and Christian Leitner play in person at Duke. <laughs> I, I want to know why they call it Cameron Indoor Arena. We all know it's indoors. It is funny, and it is tiny. I just I remember walking onto campus for the first time, and I looked, and I would I was actually going back and forth from Duke to North Carolina to go to practice that week, and just the differences. It just shows you that every 
that's what's so fun about college is it's so different and the styles of practices are so different and there's so much that goes into it that uh, that make those great programs. That place is a barn. <laughs> it's tiny. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, you're looking at it going, there's no way this is what I've watched on TV all these years. Who's the best player you've ever seen play? I think I would still say Jason Kidd. Um, so we, my freshman year of high school, he was a senior. We played him in the Northern California finals. And so obviously your, your context is a little different as a 15 year old than it is as a coach, but man, he was, he was so special. He, he dominated the game in so many ways. And I've always just, I've always considered him the best, the best high school player I've seen in person. Greatest NBA player in your opinion ever. Ah, uh, the million dollar question, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess I, I believe in winning. Uh, you know, I, I think ultimately winners win and, and I have to say, I respect what LeBron has done. It's just amazing how how many times, you know, everybody talks about he lost in the finals, but it's just how about how many times he made the finals with such different groups of people and, you know, talent and not as talented. And I just, I have so much respect for, for who he is as a person and what he's done for his community, but ultimately what he is as a, as a basketball player. We are all in Los Angeles, obviously, and, and Lakers are, are the team that rules the roost in the NBA here. Who is your Mount Rushmore of Lakers? Well, so I, I probably have to tell you the truth, which is I grew up a Kings fan. I grew up in Sacramento. Okay. So I, uh, I, I, I'm not really a big Laker guy. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was as a, as a youngster. So I, I got, I, I think you put Magic and Kareem and you got to put Kobe. And I guess you put LeBron on there now, although I don't really still, in my mind, I don't picture him as a Laker. And then... I'm sure I'm missing a ton, but Shaq comes to mind. Who am I missing? Am I missing an obvious? Well, yeah, or Wilt, Jerry West, LJ. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I didn't get to see those guys play in person. I'd have rather answered with Chris Weber and Vladdy Divac in my in my Kings though. Hey, we, we hey, we can go back to the old Kansas City Kings. You can put uh, Kelly Trapuca on there. Or yeah, Dan no, Issel. Sure, yeah. Miss Richmond was my hero growing up. You know, he's the first good player we had. So it's, 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 it's funny to, it's funny to, to have grown up in Sacramento. And to be honest, I did not like LA a whole lot now to, to live here and, and all this, it, it makes for fun conversation for sure. Yeah, it really does. And, and the, it's the whole NorCal SoCal thing, but that's, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. I think that rivalry is probably much more important to the people in NorCal. I've, I've, I don't think the people down here care a lot, but we sure did when I was up there. <laughs> yeah. Cowbells and all that. And yeah, yeah that was, yeah, those were fun times. Yeah, I, I always tell everybody, I, I, I think my Kings got cheated in the one series, but we'll we'll let it go. We'll let it go. We're, we don't hold a grudge, right? <laughs> uh, maybe a little one, yeah. <laughs> well, Coach, thanks for taking the time. I mean, you guys are 9-1. and one. You're, you're, You got it rolling down there in Bellflower, and, you know, you played Jay Sarah tonight, and thanks for taking the time, and, and good luck the rest of the way, and uh, good luck moving forward into the playoffs. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all you do for high school sports as well. I'm enjoying it. Thanks again, Coach. We'll talk okay. soon. Have a great day. All right. Uh, Matt Dunn, thank you so much for doing this. For everybody else out there, hey, you know, no more masks outside, according to the CDC. It's great that these kids are getting back in the gym, back on the field and everything. So let's keep it going in the right direction. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.